potluck Sunday is always like a predicament, you know, because at least we can't smell the food. Uh, at the last conference that I spoke at in Oklahoma, in the middle of one of the sessions, they were baking brownies in the foyer, like from the kitchen. And I, like, I am mid-sentence, and I just couldn't do it. I finally was just like, y'all, those brownies smell amazing. I just could not even focus anymore on the, I was just like, oh, this is so good. <laughs> um, whew. So at least we don't, we're not smelling all the amazing soups, because I did go down there earlier, and they were already smelling good. So uh, I'm just going to share a couple of things uh, with you this morning that the Lord has just put on my heart, and I feel like it's fitting because we've kind of just had a family Sunday here. Even if you're, even if you're visiting our family today, you're here for this, and it's good. Uh, so uh, you know, I'm excited about what I feel like the Lord is doing in us as a people. I feel like there's been, uh, over the course of the last several months and even a year, that there has been just momentum building inside of a lot of you individually and collectively. That there's just like a momentum building, that the Lord is really moving and he's beginning to release breakthrough and, and there's, there's things happening uh, in us and, and shifts that are happening in people and healing that is happening. And it's like with every experience that, that you are, are experiencing individually, but also collectively, that we are just moving somewhere. Isn't that good news? Uh, and so, so I'm excited to, to just head into the last part of the year. But, and I believe that as we do that, there's an invitation to draw closer to Jesus and experience the goodness of God in amazing ways. But as I was thinking about that, I thought, you know, we ha- as, as the end of the year draws closer, and once November hits, we have a tendency to go one of two ways. Number one, you just get busy. Our focus is moved to shopping, cooking, parties, errands, events, all of the things that have to get done and the never-ending to-do list dominates our thinking and therefore our actions. Anybody? You know, as you move into the holidays, it's so easy. To, so you like go that way or number two, you just shut down, right? As November 1st hits and we start going into holidays, the end of the year, be it holidays or just early sunsets and it's dark later if that affects you uh, or the cold weather, it, it can bring on depression, hopelessness, grief or anxiety and it flares up, the, it flares up all of our emotions of loss. And so then we can kind of just, once November hits, we ride out the rest of the year shut down. And, co- and just across the board, that's kind of what you see generally in people is like the holidays hit and you have the people at breakneck speed and you have the people who are just not doing anything. They're just sh- shut down completely. But I, I just think that there's something we're made for more than that. See, there's a beautiful middle where we get to experience all the joy of celebration, but not live at a breakneck speed to get there. And there's a beautiful middle where we feel the sting of grief and the change of the season, but we're not ruled by it. See, the beauty of the holidays and the holiday season is that it's an opportunity to experience the fullness of the gospel in our lives. No matter what spectrum you're on, there's a deep awareness of our need for a savior. 
a reminder of the frailty of our human nature and the reality of Jesus who came to empower us to suffer, to celebrate, to gather, and to live well. And that's what I I envision. I just see this invitation set before us to say, let's do it different. Not like shove down all your feelings and just put on your happy face. That's not what I'm talking about. Not just be like, whatever, I'm not doing anything for Christmas because I'm not being busy this year, okay? I'm not talking, don't go to the extremes. I'm talking about there's an invitation to do this with Jesus. And it's an opportunity to experience the gospel again in all of its fullness. Is that not what the holidays is about anyway? Is Jesus coming to this earth and setting in motion a rescue plan for all of humanity? So how do we get there? How does that even work? The answer is really simple. We must have a growing and abiding relationship with Jesus. An ongoing relationship with Jesus. I love this verse in Colossians. I read Colossians this week, and this kept coming back to me. So I was like, I think I'm going to share that. Colossians chapter 2, verse 6 and 7. I think I definitely told you the wrong one. I think I told them 5 and 6, but it's really 6 and 7. And now just as you accepted Christ Jesus as your Lord... You must continue to follow him. Okay, I know this sounds really simple, but I kept coming back to like this idea. Just as you accepted Christ Jesus as your Lord, you must continue to follow him. Let your roots grow down into him and let your lives be built on him. Then your faith will grow strong in the truth you were taught. And you will overflow with thankfulness. See, you were never meant to just get saved and then do your own thing. Salvation is not just like this one-time experience and then you just move on and do whatever. Salvation is a constant working it out kind of thing. A life with Jesus should be a lifetime of transformation. So just as you received Jesus... You must continue to follow him. And I know this is so basic, but sometimes we just, we just get stuck. Like, we got to continue. I don't care if you're the youngest person in the house or you're the oldest person in the house. The invitation stands to continue daily to follow Jesus and work out your salvation. God can't just be a category of activity in our lives. It's just, like, I just feel like the days of that are over. I feel like we're moving into some interesting times in our nation, and we can no longer just be people who have God as a category. Because there's lines that are going to be drawn, and we're going to have to choose to live for Jesus or not. He's not just going to be a category of activity in our lives. He must be the source of everything we do. And when he is then we realize that we can release heaven everywhere we go. We release healing and peace and joy and hope to those around us, and we live in it ourselves. 
See, we begin to see fruit in our lives. Because if you think about roots here on the tree growing down deep, man, it's not until that tree is really established and has some roots going down before you start seeing the fruit on those limbs. We begin to see fruit in our lives when we live connected to Jesus, surrendered to him daily. Daily. Salvation is not coming to a church building on Sunday morning. You, you are the church. This is not the church. You're the church. You are God's plan A for the world. And there is no plan B. It's you. And so we get to take the gospel, Jesus, with us everywhere we go, where we continue to follow him, where we have a lifetime of transformation, and then we see the work of him coming out of our lives. It's fruit. Jesus tells us about this principle in a beautiful illustration in John 15. All the ladies that went to the retreat... This is going to be familiar. We, we use this passage. I'm going to tell you something funny about John 15. We use this passage uh, in, a, in a certain style of Bible reading where you just read it like three times really slow. And it almost feels uh, like, oh gosh, uh, this is taking so much time. But, so we read this whole passage. And then we, I had my, my friend who's a pastor in San Angelo come and speak to us. And she used John 15. And it was amazing. I was like, oh, she'd be like, I didn't know that was your theme. I didn't know you were using that. And I was like, I didn't know you were using that. That's so cool. And then the last day of the retreat, we're cleaning up. We had supported a little local, local pizza business for one of our meetings, and we're throwing away the last pizza box. I should have had that picture on the screen. The last pizza box, they go to throw it away, and on the back, in big red letters, on the back of the pizza box, it says, John 15, 13. Like, you can't make that stuff up. We'd already thrown away all the other boxes. I don't know if they all had John 15 on them, if they all had different verses, but we got the John 15 one. I don't even know. But it's like, man, when the Lord is speaking, he just speaks. He does it. Only he can do these things. So listen to this. I'm just going to start in verse 1 of John 15. I am the true grapevine, and the Father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch of mine that doesn't produce fruit, and he prunes the branches that do bear fruits so that they will produce even more. You have already been pruned and purified by the message I have given you. Remain in me, and I will remain in you. For a branch cannot produce fruit if it's severed from the vine, and you cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. Yes, I am the vine, you are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Anyone who does not remain in me is thrown away like a useless branch and withers. Such branches are gathered into a pile to be burned. But if you remain in me and my words remain in you, you may ask for anything you want and it will be granted. When you produce much fruit, you are my true disciples, and this brings great glory to my Father. I have loved you, even as the Father has loved me. Remain in my love. When you obey my commandments, 
you remain in my love just as I obey my father's commandments and remain in his love. I have told you these things so that you will be filled with my joy. Yes, your joy will overflow. This is my commandment. Love each other in the same way I have loved you. There is no greater love than to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you slaves because a master doesn't confide in his slaves. Now you are my friends since I have told you everything the father told me. You didn't choose me. I chose you. I appointed you to go and produce lasting fruit so that the father will give you whatever you ask using my name. This is my command. Love each other. There's so much there. We could preach on that for a month, do a whole series. But when I read it, this is what I hear. Remain, 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 remain. Or if you learned it like I did on New King James, it's abide. Abide in me, and I will abide in you. This is the relationship that Jesus is inviting you to. Abiding. You know, we don't really use that word. It makes me think of a wedding ceremony, like holy, like uh, abiding love. I don't know. Is that in the, is that in, that's like in vows, isn't it? That This holy and abiding love. It, like, it's like wedding vow. That might be a good picture of, of the invitation for Jesus. Remain. Remain, remain, and then ask, live, and love from that place. Like, this is like, this is so basic, but it's so good. Remain, 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 and then ask, live, and love from that place. And I want to share the definition of remain. I, I actually, like, looked this up in the car line this week, and I was wrecked, and I was in this perfect spot in the car line where you know, all the people who walk up and pick up their kids are like right outside my window. And I swear this lady was really concerned about it. I could not get it together. I was just crying. I was just weeping in my car. So totally undone. And she just kept looking at me and I was just like, I'm fine. Just don't even, just don't even come over. It's, it's good. Um, the first definition of remain is to continue in the same state. I don't even know if I can read this again. The second definition is to be left after the removal, loss, or destruction of everything else. There's an invitation from Jesus to remain in him. That when everything else is destroyed or lost or removed, that you would be found in one place and that is with him. It is remaining. So the definite, like, you know, gives you the definition and then in the dictionary it gives you a sentence so that you understand it. So the sentence was like, the only wall remaining was the front one. Like after a dis destructive something, all that remained 
was the front wall. So it's like this idea of like to remain with Jesus means to stay in the same place, but also to be left. When you experience loss and destruction and the stripping away of everything else in your life, that you can remain with Jesus. He is that good. There is a place for that. You were created for that. There's an invitation. Psalm 91 says, He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. You were created for this. You were made for a life in the secret place where chaos and the pain of this world doesn't rule you. See, we're not talking about some fantasy land where we are not touched by loss or destruction or pain or chaos. We are talking about living under the lordship of Jesus rather than our circumstances. We are talking about remaining in the love of Jesus and abiding in his goodness, abiding in his faithfulness. Surrendered to his lordship. And not giving everything else in my world the ability to dictate me. You were made for this. It's why when we read stuff like this, it speaks to our hearts. If you're a believer in Jesus, man, it speaks to you because you were made for that. Holy Spirit's in you. There's this invitation to remain. To remain. Even in the midst of sorrow. And I think that's what the beautiful, maybe that's why I was just wrecked on this definition Because it touches on the place. Remain just, you know, sometimes we just want to think of it like as our grandma's trinkets that remain in the same place on the shelf forever. But when you look at something that remains after destruction... When you think of yourself remaining through all of it, it becomes like I just don't, it's not like I'm just sitting here and doing nothing for the rest of my life. No, we live and move and have our being from Jesus. That's why I love John 15, because he's like saying, remain, remain, remain. And then he says, ask me for whatever you want. Love each other. Like he's saying, do things. Do it from this place. And we'll be better for it. We'll be better for it. You, you operate your life out of remaining. You're better for it. What does it look like? It looks like so many of you. I, I was like, Lord, what does it look like to remain? And I just like have so many of your faces. I won't call you all out by name. But I just think the ones of you who have experienced sudden and traumatic loss of, of spouse, of children, of all of these things, and yet you come and you find joy in the presence of Jesus and you serve him faithfully and you enjoy his goodness still, that's what it looks like to remain. What does it look like? It looks like the people who are living in abundant peace and joy and goodness and patience and gentleness. Why? Because when you remain, you will produce much fruit. Your life 
will tell this story of where you live. Your life will tell the story of where you live. When I look at your lives, I see that you don't live in destruction. Because I see fruit that has come out of the most painful thing you've ever walked through in all of your life. And you are just giving it away and enjoying your Jesus. See, there's fruit there. Fruit of remaining. Fruit of standing when everything else was stripped away. See, we remain, and it says, I appointed you to go and produce lasting fruit. Let's do something for Jesus, but let's do it from a place of abiding. What does it look like? Looks like holding on to him for dear life because there's no other option. It looks like seeing beyond our suffering to a Jesus that's good. I want to close with these two stories. Many of you know Pastor Marek from Poland. He's always challenging. He always tells the story of his father. His father was taken to a Siberian labor camp. And he did not know Jesus. Must be time for soup. I was like, man, there's one way to get everybody to get up and leave. Say you're closing with a story. I shouldn't have said it. I know, I'm thankful for all the helps people who serve and make that happen. So Pastor Mark tells the story of his father who found himself in a, in a Siberian prison labor camp. And he meets this guy who's a believer. His dad was not saved. But he meets this guy in the, labor, in the prison labor camp who is a believer and this guy shares the gospel with him, and he gives his heart to Jesus right there in Siberia in a prison labor camp. And the best line I've ever heard, and man, I have heard it like 27 times in my relationship with Marek, he said, my father would say, for me that day, that prison became a paradise. From that day on, that prison became my paradise because I met Jesus there. Like, what? He found something to hold on to. Somewhere to remain that was beyond the horror around him. I've had both the privilege and the punishment of visiting, visiting Auschwitz concentration camp uh, several times. And you go on a tour, and it's pretty much just horrific, as, as bad as you can ever imagine. It's the worst thing I've ever done in my life. And you, it's like two hours. It's, there's, just not much, there's just not much like it. And you just go on this tour, and you take in everything, and there's something that caught my eye. It was probably three-quarters of the way through the tour, and we were, uh, 
we were going through the, the starvation chambers, like the isolation chambers where they would just uh, put people in these little cells forever alone until they died. And, uh, and so you just walk through. It's really, I don't know, it's so interesting. Uh, and so, so we're walking through and there's this cell at the very end of the hallway and you could peek in there and there was some guy, I, I'm probably supposed to know his name, I don't know. There was a guy who was kept in there a long time. And, uh, you know, by the, this time in the tour, I was almost just sick. And I looked up on the wall. And etched in the wall of this isolation cell was a picture that had been carved and etched into the stone. And it was a picture of Jesus with his hands like this and a heart on his chest. And I thought, right there in that moment, God, do I even know you? (laughs) And see, that's a picture of what it looks like to abide, to be in a place. I mean, this is an extreme example to be in a place that's so horrific where you're, you are wasting away and you spend your last days and all of your energy carving a picture of your Savior with his heart. Because you know there's something more than all of this. You know, abiding looks like People that I know that own companies, that are CEOs, that have all kinds of money, but they live connecting with Jesus every morning and just giving wildly and generously because they're connected to a Jesus. They are not dictated by the world. See, we can go both ways. We can go to the most extreme suffering and see people who hang on to Jesus, and we can look at the most successful where sometimes it's even harder to hang on and abide. When you can provide for yourself, sometimes you forget that you, you need Jesus to do it for you. I've seen those kind of people who live in this abiding relationship, allowing him to fill their hearts with his love and peace and presence, and they just give and they just love and they're gentle and their whole lives exude fruit. Your life will tell where you live. If you're looking to figure this out, what does it look like to abide? Man, find somebody in this house where you see the fruit of the Spirit, where you see them living in the fullness of God. No matter what their life has looked like, those people are probably abiding. They're remaining They're staying in the same state with Jesus, continually surrendered to him, continually connected to him, even in the midst of destruction or loss or when everything has been stripped away. That's your invitation. That's your invitation. It's the best ever. And we can do that in November and December, y'all. 
We can trade in all of the everything that this world says that we should be, you know, for November and December, just coasting through. That's why January feels so good. I'm convinced of it. That's why we make New Year's resolutions, because we've just lived blah for two months, and everybody's ready to do something different. Like, we got to get back on schedule. What would it look like in our lives if we spent the next two months abiding with Jesus, celebrating feeling the sting of grief, but yet somehow connected with him, not a slave to all of this world, not being dominated by any of those things, but being ruled by Jesus, our Lord. Sometimes we just have to return and remember that salvation was about making Jesus our Lord. Just as much as it was about receiving his forgiveness, Jesus must become our Lord. When Jesus becomes the Lord of your life, then it's really easy to stay connected and surrendered to him. Would you guys stand? I want to pray specifically for anyone who has struggled with depression and anxiety Because this holiday season is going to be new for you. I believe that the Lord is putting out an invitation to say, I just want to break that. I don't, I don't care if it's circumstantial depression, if it's generational depression, if it's clinical depression. I don't, I don't even care about all those terms. I just feel like the Lord says, I want to break these things off of you. So I'm going to pray for that. And then I'm going to pray for those of you who just get swept up by the busy and the urgent and all of those things where it feels like your to-do list is never ending and there is just no way to live your life except for at breakneck speed ignoring everything around you. I'm going to pray for those two things and you guys just receive. Lord, thank you right now for anyone struggling Uh, with depression, I pray that you just put your hand on your heart or your head or something as I pray. Lord, right now, in the name of Jesus, I just break that heaviness off of you in Jesus' name, that a spirit of heaviness would be broken right now over every heart, every mind, every soul, in the name of Jesus, that depression and anxiety do not get to have the final say. And so, Lord, I pray right now that you would break through with your joy, that you would break through with your your life, that you would break through with your truth in the name of Jesus. And I declare right now that every heart in this place will experience the holiday season in a new way, that there's an invitation to draw into you, to not just to, to succumb to, to depression and anxiety or to succumb to commercialism and, and busy, frantic living. Lord, I pray right now that your peace would be released over every mind, over every heart. Lord, I pray right now that you would begin to stir spirits to live for you, to abide with you, to remain in you. Lord, that we would live out of that place connected to heaven so that we can release it, so that we can live there for ourselves. Lord, I thank you for opening eyes. I thank you for opening hearts. And I bless every person in here today with joy, with desire to press in further. Lord, I thank you for the invitation to be connected to you through the word, through our obedience.
through worship that we would choose to remain in you. That when everything is stripped away, that when any destruction comes, that we would be found in one place. That's with you. That we would remain in your love. That we would remain in your word. That we would remain in your presence. And that we would live from that place. Thank you, Jesus, that you even made us for that. That you created the secret place for us to live and love and obey and produce much fruit. Lord, thank you for giving eyes to see the fruit that has been produced in our lives. I just bind back any kind of lack that you have partnered with, that as you look at your life and you think it's nothing, I pray that you would be surprised by the Spirit of God showing you where he's shown up and where he's done things. Thank you, Lord, for continuing to connect us with people that will teach us what it looks like to be with you, to remain in your love. And Lord, we bless our lunch and the soup, and all of the hands that prepared it. We thank you for the opportunity to gather together, to share a meal and our hearts, and we invite you to our tables today for lunch. In Jesus' name, amen. If you're a guest with us, we are having soup and pie right after the service. It will be down this hallway in the double doors in the gathering room, so please uh, stay for soup and pie. There is plenty of food for every person that's here, so... Uh, leaders, if you want to come up, if you still need prayer, our leaders are available to pray for you. Oh, you